0: Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages, and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. Um, God said to, when we were about to come back to Australia uh, God said to me that I'd meet someone for Married at First Sight and you know I, I uh, instead of being cynical about it because you know how often does God say stuff like that to you like it's pretty rare isn't it you know and uh, so I just I I not just tucked it in my pocket I actually told a couple of people I said when we get back to Australia I'm going to meet someone from Married at first sight and it meant nothing to them but it meant everything to me because when God speaks to you you want to affirm it somehow you want to do something to affirm it so I told a couple of people about it then put it back in in my pocket and uh, and when we came out we were in Sydney because our son's in Sydney and uh, we were in quarantine for two weeks in Sydney city centre and our first day of freedom was we went over to Manly and we stayed at the Novotel and so we slept the night and the next morning we we took the ferry because we're going to see our son and so there's a mall or a boulevard whatever that goes straight through Manly from where the ocean is to where the ferries are you know the place and we're walking along there and and then Jen goes hey that's that's Dino from from Married at First Sight walking past us and so I realized the significance of the moment and so I turned around and said Dino and, and obviously, he's a superstar in Manly, you know. After the show, so he turns around, and I said, "Dino, I said we, we've just come straight from England, and it's just a privilege to meet you, even though he was the sleazy guy on the show. It's a privilege to meet you, lying, you know." And uh, and and I said, "Can we have a selfie?" And so we had a selfie in that, and and. Uh, since then I follow him on Instagram it's terrible to follow don't follow him on Instagram but but he follows me back right and everything I put is proper Christian right so so I'm influencing him for God but it's a ridiculous thing though isn't it that God should speak to me and that should God it's ridiculous that God should know about maths seriously it's just like why would God have any interest in maths right it's a destructive show and uh and but God knows about it God knows about Dino from season five and if we were a minute too late we would have missed him a minute too early we would have missed him it was in in the perfect timing from God and I think God wanted to show me Because when you come out from from an explosive background, from things not going according to plan, you you are head over heels, you know, life's like you're in the surf, you know, you don't quite know what ends up. And then God was saying to me, Dave, even in the smallest, most insignificant, most juvenile things of bumping into Dino, I'm there. And I want to say that the steps, my steps are ordered by God and your steps are ordered by God. There's no accidents. You are a custodian of an unusual set of divine circumstances. God's leading your way full of sovereignty and full of intelligence. God makes no mistakes. And so even right now that I feel a sense of destiny being here, called by God for such a time as this. But then for you to listen well to what I'm about to share, you've been called by God for such a time as this. I'm not a preacher, I'm a lifter, by the way. I'm an elevator. Uh, That's my vision statement. Take people from the lowlands of doubt to the highlands of faith. But you know, the thing I've learned about God is that God's really similar to to Aldi. He's good, but he's different. You know, the the first miracle turns water into wine. Why, Why would he even touch an alcoholic beverage I mean, it's just completely wrong, you know. And God had a few billion years to think about what would be the first miracle. I would suggest healing some blind people, but he went with alcoholic beverage, right? That's, that's how strange. And then Jesus makes some mud, covers up a, a blind guy's eyes, and then points him in the direction of a small lake. And says, go on, see if you make the lake. It's just, it's just, I mean, it would, it, would just, it would be against all health and safety nowadays. It would appear cruel. You, you'd get on the front page of the Red Cliff Chronicle, you know, to, you, you just, you'd be on the Daily Mail if you did anything like that nowadays, you know. I, I think it was Mark Ramsey said the reason why Jesus came 2,000 years ago was pre-health and safety. And, uh, but God's good, but He's different. And I think sometimes we, we, the, religion, the spirit of religion is like a straitjacket that wants to, wants to squeeze us into the mold of other people's experiences. We're just I'll say this, and I'm preambling because I'm just rambling to you guys, right? But when someone asks me about my quiet times, about what I do with prayer and what I do, I just say I'm not going to tell you. Because it's like somebody saying, hey, tell me about lovemaking with your wife. <laughs> Did I just say that? Did that just... <laughs> What's happened to me? What is this place? What is my wife's here? My wife's here, don't. But it's just, it's, what did I say? Why did I say that? But it's just so intensely personal, right? And I think your personal walk with God is a very personal walk with God. Come back in the room, back in the room, Dave, back in the room, back in the room. It's just, it's just incredibly personal. And I think sometimes you can think when you see a great prayer, a great intercessor, I want to rub the word intercessor out. I want to screw it up. You know, it's just someone that has a bit more time to pray. You know, the rest of us, we've got a lot, we've got a lot on our plates. We haven't got as much time as you. So don't dress out as the intercessor, it's just pray prayer with more time. And so that just it just brings it down to earth. Otherwise, you're always thinking, you know, whenever I'm praying, the Bible the devil says, Oh, you're not reading the word of God enough. And whenever I do the read of God, the devil says, Oh, you're not praying very much. As if he cares. But he's just trying to lose my confidence in everything that I do. And you know, you, 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 you want, you want to, you want to, you know, your confidence is your greatest friend. And to believe that your relationship with God is so uniquely put together that it's no comparison. It should never be compared with somebody else's relationship with God. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna talk about things that, things that annoy me about the ministry. And I thought it'd be quite nice to, to share that with you because I've got, I don't know, maybe two to three hundred things that I could select from this morning. And, uh, but the first thing that really annoys me about the ministry is uh, the poem Footprints in the Sand. I don't know what you think about it, but it really bugs me and really, I wish I'd written it because then I'd be a multi millionaire, right? And uh, probably with property prices, we're all millionaires, is that correct? We've all suddenly become millionaires, right? But, but uh, you know, and so I thought the only, instead of me being a critic of somebody else's writing, I thought I'd rewrite it. <laughs> so in my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues, I open up the book with my rewritten version of Footprints on the Sand. Would you, like to, would you like to hear it? Yeah. Okay, so uh, you'll know when my bit comes in, right? So if you're a little sleepy, or if you're not quite in the room, you'll come in the room when my bit comes in, right? So one night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there was two sets of footprints, other times there was only one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods in life when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me that if I followed you, you'd walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there's only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I need you to do most, have you not been there for me? And the Lord replied, Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I would have loved to have picture, given you huggles, but I'm kind of attempting to make a champion out of you. If, you keep putting, if I keep putting on my shoulders like that footprints in the sand stuff, you'll never grow past being a child. My aim is to make you a world beater, a Goliath slayer, a history maker. Get it? So would it be right if you stopped complaining and took it all on the chin? Ta-da! <laughs> hey, that's better, isn't it? That's better. Oh my giddy aunt, because sometimes I'm looking at the footprints in the sand, I'm thinking they're my, they're my footprints. And yet footprints in the sand promises me that there'd be Jesus' sandals, and he'd be carrying me like a two-year-old, but very rarely are they the sandals of Jesus. They're my size 10. Something, God, why don't you just pick me up? But the reason is that He wants me a partner in the business, not just a servant of the business, but a son in the business. Father and sons isn't just a great song. It's a part of the plan of heaven is to raise you up above powers and principalities, seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. And so God doesn't want to diminish Himself. He wants to enlarge you. So you're in the enlargement process. Isaiah 54 says, says, I'm here to enlarge the place of your tent. I'm here to strengthen your cords. I'm here to strengthen your stakes because greater are the children of the desolate woman. That's you, that's humanity. That's the dust of the earth. Your future is that great that God wants to expand you according to what's about to take place. God isn't just going to do things despite of you. He's going to do things through you. Most Christians I meet are bungalows. Do you know what a bungalow is? It's a single story building. And some of those people go beyond building regs and they build a second story on the first story and the entire building collapses because it was never built built for a second story because the foundation wasn't deep enough. And this city point, Redcliffe, is what God's been doing to you. He's been digging deep foundations. And the reason why He's been doing that is because He wants to build a skyscraper of power in order to touch the skies of possibility. God wants to pour out the miraculous upon you and He wants to pour out the ability to influence a generation. The higher you are, the greater the shadow. The higher you are, the greater the shadow of influence is cast upon a generation. There's no shadow for bungalows. There's no influence over bungalows. There's only skyscrapers that influence and shadow the world around about it. God has a bigger vision for you than you have for yourself. And it's time that you catch up. God's doing a great work because God's trying to expand you and He's trying to enlarge you because God knows the future that he has for you. I've just, I've just, I've realized with God that, that God, does, God really just carries me. Even in the, in the greatest of storms, there's momentary moments where God lifts me. But most of the time he stands beside me, but not even immediately beside me. He said he'll never leave or forsake me. But God has a purpose and a destiny for me that's bigger than anything in my history. And so God's on a building project, on a building plan. If, if anything for you, your life is like an iceberg. If you're a high performance person, it's a fifth of you's high performance. Four fifths of you is high preparation. The best of my life's yet to come. It means everything in my history is preparation for a moment, for moments like this. And it's the same within your life. Stop being so jealous of high performers when you're a high preparer. The best is yet to come. Everything that God's been doing is prepping you for an awesome and an incredible future. And you know, preparation works really slow. I'm I'm a first-generation Christian, and and when I compare myself against second-gen Christians, I always come off badly, right, because they're planting seed, they're making lots of money, been blessed my friends have large churches i've struggled you know with increase year by year church wise and, and and i've realized that that i get stuck on the fact that in my garden in my field are are roots from massive trees that have been around for hundreds of years. There's trees of pride that, that, I've, that I've gained as an inheritance. There's trees of rebellion. There's knotted up trees of resentment. And I've spent a lot of time with the Holy Spirit digging out the roots of these trees. And it slowed me down. But you know, I'm building a life to leave a legacy for generation after generation after generation and so what has slowed me down has actually sped up the next generation somebody's got to take out the roots of rebellion otherwise the next planter is going to have to deal with the same legacy the same wrongful inheritance somebody's got to clean the land up and so don't compare yourself but realize there's a lot of preparation work that's gone on and there's a lot of change that's happening within you as you're being metamorphosed, as you're being transformed from glory to glory. A lot of the transformation is under the surface. That's why no one knows how great I actually am, because most of me is hidden. And it's the same with you. No one, no one congratulates you as they ought to congratulate you because most of it's hidden. No one quite knows what's going on underneath. You want to be your own greatest fan. You want God to be the number one fan. You want yourself to be the number two fan and then hang everybody else. It doesn't really matter what they think because God's doing a good work because he's a good God in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? The second thing that really annoys me about the ministry is uh, when people say Dave, house things? I'm thinking, well, what things? What things? I mean, I'm slightly autistic. So I'm thinking, what things today? Things in my marriage? Mind your own business. <laughs> things in the last week? Like things in the last... What are you talking about? House things? And then, and then. You know they'll keep staring at me, and I'm I'm baffled with the question, and then then I'm thinking, well I don't know because I'm not analysing how th- things are. I'm not a thermometer. And then I then I realise, oh if you want a real answer, like a like a, like if you want me to tell you things are terrible. And then I realise things have been terrible for a long time. Usually I I'm sk- the, what a British word skint. I've run out of money a long time ago. You know, usually I'm behind the eight ball. Usually I'm between a rock and a very hard place. You know, usually I'm 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 bordering on high anxiety. Usually something just broke. And you're asking me how things are. And then I realize that. The, the person to blame for this, because it's easy to blame yourself. Oh, it's because I'm an idiot. It's because I've sinned. It's because I'm a loser. Everyone said I'm a loser. And now I realize it has nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the Holy Spirit because I'm trying to follow the Holy Spirit. And it seems to me the Holy Spirit loves deserts. And it seems to me the faith does its Michelangelo work in the center of deserts. So when you become, because the Bible says in Romans 1, 18, 1, 17 and 18, it says the judge shall live by faith. That when you begin to live by faith, expect things to go from bad to a little bit worse. Because normally you get faith on the edge of a desert. You think, oh no, my life's falling apart, you know, and then God gives your faith. But because faith licks its lips at impossibility, it's not happy just being on borderline between a river and the desert. It's got to march right into the middle of the desert. Because this is the place where it does its greatest work. It's a miracle working thing, faith. It taps into the power of God. And no miracle has ever happened outside of an impossible situation. If you're looking for a miracle and a lot of the church you want miracles, well, therefore you want impossible situations because that's where miracles take. There's not one miracle in the Bible that didn't happen outside of an impossible situation. So faith loves impossibility. So stop so whinging about things going from bad to worse. This is an act of God. You know, if you go, you go to H.M. Samuels, is it H.M. Samuels? No, it's H&M and Samuels, H. Samuels. If you go to Samuels, right? Oh, is it? If you go to a jewelry store, <laughs> If you go to Proud's, right? And, uh, and you want to look at some diamonds. The first thing they'll put out is some black velvet. Oh, because diamonds, how beautiful are they? Not, a, not on a glass top. Because it confuses the issue. What's glass, what's diamond? But on black velvet... That's when they sparkle. And so when God wants to sparkle in your life, what does He want to lay down first? Well, it seems cruel, but it's cruel to be kind. He lays down some black velvet because He's about to show off the treasury of heaven on top of the black velvet. If If you're a landscape artist, you paint your background darker, because then everything in the foreground begins to stand out to create a three-dimensional, stunning picture by darkening the background. And some of you think, of, why is my background so dark? It's because God's about to paint with His beautiful primary colors on the background of your life. Because God's not finished with you yet. Because God's, God's an amazing God. But I want to su- suggest that there, this com- there's confidence that's growing within this place. You know, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, that faith is the, is the confidence of things hoped for. It's the belief in things unseen. You know, that there's an inner confidence here that you are who God says you are. Come on, there's an inner confidence that, that, that God will do what He said He'll do. There's an inner confidence that God is who He says He is. There's a growing inner confidence. If you were to cut me in half, you'd find faith, it won't be in a gymnasium. It won't be sweating away trying to make the will of God come to pass. It's in a deck chair, lying back, dipping its feet in the Mediterranean of the promises of God. Only turns over for an all over sundown. Because faith knows if God said it, it's in the bag. Faith has no doubts. Even when the storm clouds come, it decides to have a quick nap. Because it is absolutely convinced that if God said it, It will surely come to pass. There's a deck chair inside each one of you, but you keep on kicking the Holy Spirit thing get up, do something. No, 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 let him sleep. Because he knows, faith knows that it's in the bag. This, I'll just say that about this, you Carolina, this next season with your life is going to be a very restful season. There'll be no no sweating, no pushing, no kicking, and all the miracles. That this is not this is not just a one-off for you. This is the beginning beginning. beginning of a new era of your life of seeing ease the miraculous through ease God doing easy things because that's the nature of the Holy Spirit it's the nature of God's Word it's the nature of faith it's completely relaxed because it just knows if God said it then God will do it People are asking me the one question, they're saying, Dave, how's things? Well, terrible. But the real question is, Dave, how am I? Because I'm not, I'm not a thermometer, I'm a thermostat. How am I? I'm terrific, thanks for asking. City Point, thanks for asking me. How's things? Belligerent, how am I? Thanks for asking. Beautiful. How, how, how's things? Awful, thanks for asking. How I am? i awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. I live in a divided world between crap and crystal between dust and diamonds between dirt and diadems you got to learn you got to learn what's what's the greatest what's the ace card in the kingdom is it is it the, the is it the 6 of hearts or is it the ace of spades And when it comes to Christianity, it's who you are, gazumps, what you do and what happens to you. Eventually, my desert starts to bloom again. I think, what's that sound? And it's the sound of bone coming to bone because that's what faith does, that faith the currency of heaven. Without even working up a sweat, bone begins to join to bone the knee bone begins to join with it and things start to happen and a mighty army starts to rise the desert starts to bloom again the things that were once barren now there's a flower growing in the desert it's odd but this is the creation of God and eventually a beautiful garden happens in the desert and every time that this happened to me God's tapped me on the shoulder he said Dave just enjoy it and now I know what he, what he means by that he means we're only here for five minutes He says, turn around, follow me. Oh, Lordeth, where art thou going? Oh, I know, it's just another desert. Why? Because I'm a desert transformer. That's what I do. I live in deserts in order to transform deserts. So why are things difficult? Why have they always been difficult ever since I've been born again? Desert transformer. That's what I do. I transform deserts. You know, when revival comes to Brisbane, I'm out of here. There's no point being another revival maker in a place where revival's happening. I'm not here to repeat what's happening. I'm here to be sunshine on rainy days, not sunshine in the Arizona desert. I'm here to bring about a move of the Spirit of God where there is no move of the Spirit of God. You've got to realise, otherwise your life's just full of whinging. Oh, how's things? Oh, terrible, between a rock and a hard place. How are you? Brilliant! Brilliant! I'm gonna wear my cross on my back, not on the front. I'm not gonna drag it around Redcliffe leading skid marks all around about the place. I'm a man of God led by the Spirit of God into the victory of God forever and ever and ever, always. That's, that's where I'm heading. And that's what's starting to happen with each one of your lives. Oh, I've got to speed this up, right? The third thing that really annoys me about the Christian life is people who say, Dave, can I be honest with you? Well the answer's no. <laughs> because you're going to you're going to upset me. And I hate being upset, right? I, I, I you know I, I because what they're gonna do is they're gonna bring a dump truck. I'll hear the beeping first. And, and it's gonna be filled with manure. And it's, going to, it's something that they've been working on for quite some time. A potent mix of resentment, hatred, mixed with a little bit of fact of what I did 18 months ago. You know? and, and they're gonna back it on to me. Oh, in the name of honesty, sincerity's overrated. And oh, yeah, yeah, tell me honestly what you think about me. No! because you're lying. Because the Spirit of God always is filled with faith and is filled with what's about to happen and is filled with the Word of God about to come to pass. It's not filled with history. It's not filled with the past. I think it was John C. Maxwell that said that every leader ought to live in the world in the world of possibility, or to listen in the world, world of reality, but ought to, to leave in the realm of probability. And probability is halfway between reality and possibility. This is where we live. This is where truth lies. That's why the greatest faith word in the Bible is the word B-U-T, the word but. If I go camping with eight people and I forget all the camping poles and everyone's mad with me, and then I go but, I've got seven free nights for eight people at the Sheridan Mirage that's just half a mile up the road. Everybody's a happy bunny now because I just put the word but in. Psalm 31, David said, I feel like broken pottery. Everyone walks past on the other side. I was like, I trust in Him. My times are in His hands. You see what I've done there? I've alloyed present truth with future truth. And future truth is more truthful than present truth. That's why now we're out from COVID. The spirit of Karen ought to be You ought to be delivered from the spirit of Karen. Because the spirit of Karen loves fact, but doesn't like faith. Because they love to control what's happening. And faith becomes a little uncontrollable. Oh, my mind's just skipped where it was supposed to be going. (sighs) You want to always mix an alloy between how things are and how things will be. And that alloy is the source of real truth. Don't just say, oh, I'm sick. Say, I'm sick. But I can feel myself recovering. Now you've got real truth. You want to steer clear of those people that carry a Kodak picture of who you used to be. And God's got a Polaroid picture of who you're becoming. What's more true? It's how God sees you, not how history sees you. Here's here's the last thing that really annoys me. is Christians that remain hurt. Like, have a think about it, right? If you're a football player and uh, someone knees you in the groin or someone or you trip over or you land in a certain way and say, break your leg. For a while there, you're hurting incredibly. The pain is enormous. The moment the the stretcher comes out and you hop on the stretcher, you're no longer hurting. You're injured. The definition changes. Everything about your description changes. When When you're on the stretcher, you say, I'm injured. The moment you go into hospital and someone says, how's it going? You never say, I'm injured. No one says they're injured in hospital. They say they're slowly recovering. That's what generally what people say. And then after that, the physios, I'm, 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 I'm slowly reconditioning back to getting back into the game. It's back into the game season. It's only Christians that keep the word hurt, not for 45 seconds, but for 45 years. The problem with being hurt, it's always attached to a time and a place and a person. The thing about faith is faith doesn't just have eyes in the front of its head. It doesn't just look to the future and and interpret the future. It looks to your past and reinterprets everything in the past. What was meant for harm is now turned around and it's meant for good. What was destructive is now constructive. All things, all things works together for good to those who love God called according to His purposes. And some of you have been through some terrible situations that's always attached to a terrible person. But until you can detach yourself from that terrible person by adding faith into your history, God can rarely use you to become a skyscraper of influence. I'm, I'm preaching right into your heart now because some of you have pampered. You've got you've got dartboards with the person's face on it. You know you you you've, you're in a battle, a legal battle with somebody, and things and circumstances are growing. I would say drop it because hurt doesn't belong in the Christian's vocabulary. Be injured, be down, but not out. But don't be hurt. Because the reason why Jesus said, forgive those who have trespassed against you is to release you from the bondage of being hurt. How good have I preached this morning? Thank you. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a town in America uh, and in about 1910, it's a town called Enterprise. Uh, they build a statue to a weevil. When you go into towns in America, there's statues to great men, great men of history, and, and Bill Clinton. You know, and there's, there's, and and but in this place, there's a statue of a weevil, right? And you think, what on earth's going on? It's because it's because they 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 had they had cotton fields, right, that, that made them quite a lot of money. And then this this plague of boll weevils came in destroyed the entire economy of the region. And everyone's in tears and everyone's hurt and everyone's crying. And someone says, why don't we, why don't we plant a new kind of crop here? And so they turned, they turned to peanuts. And the crop was that enormous that it made that whole region the most prosperous region in that part of America. And thought, what are we going to do? Who was it that heralded prosperity? Who was that great man of God? It wasn't, it was a weevil. So they build a statue to a weevil. I would suggest you build a statue to your weevil. I would suggest you take it off the dartboard, build a statue to it because that's the source of your power. When you are weakest, God puts His perfect power on the place of your perfect weakness. This is the way God works. On the greatest fault lines of your disaster, God builds the greatest skyscrapers. You're not a London, you're a Tokyo. God builds on fault lines. This is the way God does it. Some of you need to build a statue to your dad, a statue to your former boss, a statue to your former lover. And thank God that if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be in the place you are now. And you wouldn't be with the glory that's coming to you in the future. You know, you want to you want to s- scrape the, off the fan. You want to turn it into fertilizer. In Jesus' name. I'll absolutely finish on this. There's a similar story. This cloud of locusts came through an African village, right? And ate all of the crop. And again, this family, particular family, just kind of hit their acreage, right? And this family was in tears and that, and they didn't know what to do. And all of the other farms, all the trucks were going past laden with wheat and laden with seeds and that, and thought, what are we gonna do? And so they, they prayed to God. So they found some seed left and they ate some of it and they, they retained some of it for planting. And the father of the house went out and just planted the rest of the seed. But he saw something that he'd never seen before. Six months later, their harvest was like 60 times, 80 times, 100 times. Their trucks never stopped going to harvest. And people are thinking, what, why? Why are you prospering so much? And he said, i would let you know on the secret. He said, when the locust came and ate all of the crops, every locust died on the spot at eight. He said, so all I did was mix the locust in with the soil. And what caused the destruction last year has caused the prosperity this year. Oh, if you could just take what was destructive and mix it into the soil of faith today. You can fertilize your life and see incredible prosperity, incredible strength coming to your life simply through tampering with the soil, tampering with the conditions, tampering with who you are and not mixing it with the impurities of doubt, the impurities of fear to become somebody that's an incubator for the Spirit of God. Great things are about to take place within your life for those who dare put the past behind, for those who dare detach from how things are and attach to how God is and attach to how you are and attach to the confidence that's rising within your hearts, within your lives. Close your eyes.